Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. What's up, Raider Nation? Matt Holder here from Silver and Black Pride to bring you our Friday news, injury report, and mailbag questions. Reminder, you can tweet your questions at me on Twitter at mholder95 or email them to sppquestions1 at gmail.com. Again, that's sppquestions1 at gmail.com. All right, let's get to the news. Raiders star pass rusher Max Crosby was fined just under $7,000 for allegedly spitting on Steelers guard Trey Turner in their Week 2 game. As you might remember, Turner was ejected from the game for spitting on Crosby. Per NFL Network's Tom Pellicero, the two got into it after Crosby felt Turner shoved him after the play, so Crosby went up to the official to ask if he saw the exchange. The ref said no, and then Crosby allegedly turned to Turner and spat on him. Pittsburgh's guard responded by shoving Las Vegas' defensive end and then spitting on him, which led to a penalty and Turner's extra from the game. Jerome Boger, the referee, told the league in a statement that he didn't see Crosby spit on Turner, and that wasn't caught on CBS's broadcast either, but Turner's was, and apparently his statement was enough for the NFL to issue Crosby a fine. Of course, Crosby's appealing the fine, and I'm no lawyer or agent, but I think he's got a pretty good case. This next one isn't necessarily Raiders news, but it is something that's relevant to the team. The Kansas City Chiefs have added wide receiver Josh Gordon to their practice squad. Gordon, of course, hasn't played in a few years and has dealt with some personal demons, but he has been good and protective when on the field. Look, I'm not terribly worried about someone who's on the Chiefs practice squad, but I would prefer it if Patrick Mahomes didn't have a guy that's led the NFL in receiving yards in the past in case of an emergency. I'll take my chances with the no-name guy on Kansas City's practice squad. As you might remember, the Raiders signed veteran wide receiver David Moore to their practice squad after cutdown day. Moore was considered a pretty good get at the time, and apparently the Denver Broncos agreed as they plucked him off the Raiders' practice squad and signed him with the active roster on Monday. Denver has had some bad injury luck at wide receiver this season as last year's first-round pick Jerry Judy is on injured reserve with a high ankle sprain, and 2019 second-round pick K.J. Hamler tore his ACL last week and will be out for the season. So Moore gets an opportunity to play elsewhere, and unfortunately it's with the division rival. The Raiders will play the Broncos in about two weeks on October 17th. I talked last week about how new defensive coordinator Gus Bradley has been successful in implementing a bend-but-don't-break philosophy, and PFS Brad Spielberger shared some stats that I wanted to follow up with. Last year, the Raiders' defense gave up an explosive play rate of 18.5% through the first three weeks of the season, and this year that's down to just 8%, which is the second lowest in the league. The previous number was 28th, so I'd say that's a vast improvement. Spielberger also pointed out how Casey Hayward has allowed just 26 receiving yards on 125 coverage snaps this season, so 0.21 yards per coverage snap, which is what we like to call in the business, pretty good. Raiders defensive tackle Gerald McCoy has been suspended by the NFL for six games for violating the league's performance-enhancing drugs policy. McCoy released a statement on social media acknowledging the suspension, stating, and I quote, I love the game of football, and I have nothing but respect for the players, fans, and this league. I've given my all to this game and worked my entire life to compete, train, and rehabilitate at a high level with integrity. It is with great disappointment that I recently learned I tested positive for a banned substance, something I was prescribed to help take with scar tissue and tendon strength from a previous injury. 
and no way would I ever intentionally take anything to, with a performance or gain a competitive advantage. This was an honest mistake, but it's something I take full responsibility for. I apologize to my family, the NFL, my teammates, and fans, and humbly ask for your forgiveness. I'm not sure if this is the injury McCoy is referring to or not, but he did rupture his quad during training camp with the Dallas Cowboys last season. The veteran defensive tackle was ruled out for the season with a leg injury in week one, so now he will just not be receiving payment for the next six weeks. He's also on a one-year contract. For those that are unaware, Raiders tight end Darren Waller has a podcast with Blue Wire called Comeback Stories, and his guest this week was none other than teammate Carl Nassib. This was Nassib's first sit-down interview since coming out as gay this summer. He talked about his life growing up and why he made the decision to come out publicly, stating that he felt an obligation to the LGBTQ community, and even talked about his relationship with his current boyfriend. The full interview is up on Blue Wire's YouTube page if you'd like to check it out. That'll wrap things up for the news, so let's move on to the injury report. Now, like with week one, you'll have to bear with me a little bit because with our scheduling and the Monday night game, I'm working off the Thursday injury report, which is the first and most cautious injury report of the week, so please keep that in mind. We'll start with the biggest and best news from the injury report, and that's Josh Jacobs' return to the practice field. He's been out the last two weeks, but was limited in Thursday's practice, and head coach John Gruden said he's questionable to play on Monday night against the Chargers, which is obviously a step in the right direction. Fellow running back Jalen Richard also returned to the practice this week, meaning he's been designated to return, and the Raiders have 21 days to activate him on the 53-man roster for him to be eligible to play this season. Special teamer and safety Dallin Levitt also returned to the practice after missing last week with a concussion, and he was a full participant on Thursday. Carl Nassa was also listed as a full go with a toe injury, so it sounds like his pec is healed, and linebacker Denzel Perryman was another full participant with quad and Achilles injuries. Backup safety Roderick Teamer was limited in practice with an ankle injury, which I believe is actually the first time he's practiced during the regular season as that ankle has kept him out of all of the Raiders games this year. Defensive tackle Solomon Thomas was also limited with a knee injury, as were cornerbacks Nate Hobbs and Trayvon Mullen with shoulder injuries. If you remember, Mullen collided with rookie safety Trevon Merrick towards the end of last week's game, but returned to the game, as did Merrick, who of course was not listed on the injury report. The Chargers had a few notable names on their injury report like Keenan Allen, Joey Bosa, Chris Harris Jr., and Derwin James Jr., though I think Harris is the only one in danger of not playing. He's missed the last two weeks with a shoulder injury, so we'll see if he's ready to go on Monday. That'll do it for the injury report, so let's move on to your questions. Reminder, to have your questions answered, either tweet them at me, at mholder95, or email them to sbppquestions1 at gmail.com. Again, that's sbppquestions1 at at gmail.com. First question, feels like the Raiders may be looking to deal around the deadline. A lot of contract smoke around Akeem Hicks in Chicago, but love your thoughts in general on any possible deal. As far as Akeem Hicks go, I don't really know if the Raiders are going to make a move. I don't think defensive tackle is a terrible need for them right now. I think they're getting a lot out of Solon Thomas, who's on a really cheap contract, and he's playing really well, especially in a backup role. Darius Fallon's playing pretty well as, as well. And then uh, Quentin Jefferson's, I think, given them enough as a pass rusher that they don't really need the position. So I don't know if it makes a whole lot of sense to give up uh, any sort of draft capital for a guy that's a rental player like Akeem Hicks. Though he is a beast, and I would love to see if they could, you know, maybe go after them in free agency if the if the money's right. But I have a feeling he'll be a little expensive anyway. So I don't really see that happening. Um, if the Raiders are going to make a deal, I could definitely see them going after an offensive lineman, especially on the interior. 
If they do want to go after a tackle, maybe they want to get you know a little fancy with it and maybe move Alex Leatherwood into guard if he keeps struggling pass protection and then put get a veteran tackle, find, um, find someone to man the right side over there for them for a little bit. But I have a feeling if we do see a trade, and I don't doubt that we will, I think it's going to be up front on the offensive line because obviously, as we know, that's kind of been a weak spot for them over the last few weeks. Speaking of that, this next question is pretty related. How long can the Raiders sustain this high offense with the sometimes porous O-line? Am I the only one that's waiting for the other shoe to drop? Well, no, you're not the only one. You know, I've been talking about it for a while here. I do think the offensive line is going to be an issue. Um, like I was just talking about, I wouldn't be surprised if we see a trade. I don't think there. I don't think John Gruden is going to stand for having too much, you know, lack of success. I kind of wrote in one of my articles earlier this week that. I wouldn't be surprised if Andre James keeps struggling if they try Nick Martin in there and see how that goes. You know, Gruden's made a lot of moves this offseason geared towards bringing in veteran players to um, to make the playoffs. And obviously, if you're having a center who's struggling, who's young at the position, then it kind of wouldn't make a whole lot of sense to keep rolling them out there. I mean, we'll see what they do. I do think they're going to have to make some sort of changes up there. What I will give John Gruden and Derek Carr a lot of credit for right now is I think they're doing a great job of scheming around the pressure. I think Derek's doing a great job of hanging in there, taking the hits when he needs to, and getting the ball out quick and balancing out that out a lot better than he has in the past. Obviously, in years past, we've seen him you know, get to check the ball down a little bit too much and be less aggressive. That's not been a problem here. And I think that has part of what to do with uh, Gruden's play calling. He's given a lot more chip blocks and a lot more help in pass protection, a lot more um, support from the backfield and whatnot and keeping tight ends in. So I think that's going hand in hand for them right now. You know, as far as teams figuring that out, if they end up just sitting back in coverage when the Raiders are in max protection, no one's going to get open and whatnot. And Derek's going to eventually at some point is not going to be able to keep taking all these hits and whatnot. And he's not the he's not uh, the most mobile quarterback. Not to say that he's not athletic, but he's not a guy that's going to avoid a whole lot of them in the pocket and whatnot. And obviously, we don't want to have happen what uh, 2016 all over again or anything like that. So, I definitely think they're going to have to make some sort of changes soon, especially since they're very weak in the middle of the offensive line, which is how a lot of quarterbacks can get hurt a lot of the times. But um, yeah, I'm, I, you're definitely not the only one as that's worried about the shoe finally uh, dropping, as you say. So we shall see. But yeah, I expect them to make a move at some point, whether that's uh, switching people out internally or finding someone else to get the job done. How serious are the Mullen and Hobbs injuries? Mullen looked like to be in a lot of pain when he came out the field. We really need both of them this week. Yeah, I mean, the Raiders definitely need both of them this week. I talked about this a lot. I mean, they don't have a whole lot of depth in the secondary. I don't really trust Damon Arnett right now for him to go out there and cover a guy like Mike Williams, who's been on a tear this year. And then, I mean, with Nate Hobbs, he's obviously key as well because there's Keenan Allen as well, and Hobbs has been excellent so far as a rookie. I think both of them are going to be fine, though. I think they will should be should be able to good, go, good to go on Monday. Like I said at the top of the show or during the injury report, both of them were at least limited in practice. That's typical if you have, an, uh, if you have a um, slight nick or whatnot and early on in the week, they'll hold you out and make sure you get better and whatnot before throwing you back into the fire. So I think they'll play. I think they'll be all right. Obviously, Mullen, you know, it looked bad when it happened, but I mean, he ended up coming up back in the game. I think he only missed maybe one series, so I don't think it was as serious as it seemed. And I was honestly a little bit more worried about Trevon Merritt because he got up and kind of looked like he might have had a concussion, but... Obviously, he went back into the game too, and he ended up practicing this week and wasn't even listed on the injury report. So 
I think they'll be all right. I think this is probably the healthiest they've been after a game in a while. I think there was a streak of like two or three weeks there to start off the season where the injury report was about 15, 17 guys long. So I think they're going to be pretty healthy going into going into Monday night, and I think we should have those guys ready to go. In some of your articles, you mentioned that Brian Edwards needs to get involved in the game sooner, but can you explain why that might take so long for him to get going and what they can do to get him involved earlier? Well, I think with Brian Edwards, he's, his skill set is primarily at, in contested catches. I think PFF released a, a, a stat or a tweet today that talked about um, Brian Edwards being the highest graded receiver in contested catch situation. So what that means is he's probably really not getting a whole lot of separation because otherwise it wouldn't be a contested catch, right? If he was away from the DB, he wouldn't have a problem or wouldn't have to fight anybody at the catch point. So I think with that early on in the game, Derek doesn't quite have, or Brian Edwards, I should say, doesn't have quite have Derek's trust yet because they're, they're so young and they haven't worked together with him missing a lot of time last year and whatnot. So I think Derek's not exactly or 100% confident in that if he throws it up, Brian Edwards is going to come down with it, even though we are seeing it, you know, when frequently. But I, if you can uh, imagine if only having so much, so much time with a guy, you're still kind of building that confidence, whatnot, early in the season. So I think early on in games when, you know, there's not as much pressure and they don't need to have a score or whatnot, Derek's not going to force it into Brian Edwards in a contested catch situation and risk, you know, an interception or anything like that or an incompletion that puts him behind the sticks. But when the game gets later on, and especially when it's closer, that's when it comes, kind of comes crunch time. You can take a little bit more of those risks, or you need to take more of those risks. So I think that's where we're seeing a little bit more of Brian Edwards you know, shine through. And I mean, I also think there's a little bit to be said about a guy who can just show up in the big moments. Some guys, when the, when the lights are brightest, they end up you know, rising above. That They get more adrenaline pumping. And I mean, I'm thinking back to the, his catch against the Dolphins on, I believe it was like a drag route. And he was able to create some separation. I think uh, my cornerback might have caught up to him a little bit there at the end, but he was able to get open and break free a little bit. So maybe that's kind of what it is too. I mean, I, at some point, I think you got to just think this guy is just built for the big moments and uh, maybe it takes a little bit to just get him wound up mentally. So I do think they will start to get involved, him, him involved um, in the offense early on more. Like I was saying, once him and Carr get more chemistry together and build uh, more time with each other, I think they'll be able to, he'll have his trust more and he'll be getting more of those back shoulder throws and th- bombs down the field that we've been seeing in the uh, second half and overtime at an unprecedented rate. All right, that'll do it for this week. A little light on the questions this week and reminder to send your questions in and I'll answer them here on the show. And you guys can ask me about anything. It doesn't have to be about the Raiders. If you want to ask me questions about myself, I'm an open book, so just fire away. Make sure you rate, review, download, and subscribe. Follow me on Twitter, at mholder95, and other than that, until next time, guys.